Well, I want you to close your eyes for a moment if you're comfortable with that. Just close your eyes for a moment and try to remember your teenage self. What was your adolescent journey like? If you're actually a teen here this morning, this should be relatively easy. <laughs> but for the rest of us, just for a moment, think about that quirky, maturing self, full of emotions, questions, delight, angst. And first, I just want you to say to yourself, I bless my teenage self. <laughs> Send it some love. We don't do that enough. Now I want you to think about that teenager, though, seeing one of the best movies of their life, like just really spoke to you. Maybe it was Singing in the Rain. Maybe it was E.T. Maybe it was Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. And in the words of that teenage self, how would you have described it? What words would you have put that in? All right, open your eyes again. A fun trip down memory lane. Well, fun for some of you, maybe. <laughs> so if you were born between roughly 1946 and 1964, in other words, any baby boomers out there today, you might have said that that amazing movie experience was far out. Or, as Jim England told me, he used to say, I really dig that. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start using that, Jim. Maybe you're a Gen Xer and you were born between 1965 and 1976, and you might say that movie was rad, or one of my favorites, all that and a bag of chips, <laughs> right? You know that one. But wait, we have some millennials here with us this morning, do we not? Shout out to my millennials. <laughs> they were born between 1977 and 1995, and they might say that that movie was on fleek, or as my fabulous youth volunteer, Madeline Cox, told me, she might have said, that's sick. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's many more from our millennials. Those are a few. But let's not forget our Generation Z, most of, most of which our youth belong to behind me. When they see a movie or TikTok video, more realistically, they ex especially like, chances are they might say it is lit. It is fire. Now, if you're Griffin Farnsley, you actually might say, that's radical, dude. <laughs> Did I do that right? <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh. Did I miss any? What are other good ones? So cool. Slay? Yeah, yeah, Slay. I forgot Slay. So many wonderful ways. The point is, we know that each generation has their own particular way, right, of expressing themselves, their own vernacular, their own mother tongue, as it were. At the beginning of this service, you heard an excellent reading, right, from Acts chapter 2. You heard about the wind. You heard about the fire. There's a lot of mystery about this historic moment, but what strikes me most about this was that those visiting Jerusalem at that time who were not Jews and who did not speak that language, that vernacular, they heard the message of the gospel in their own mother tongue. 
So in a way that they could truly understand. Author and Lutheran minister Nadia Boltz-Weber that we quote often said it this way, the Holy Spirit takes you beyond listening with your ears and helps you listen with your heart. For the first time, these travelers, these outsiders to Jerusalem were hearing and truly understanding the words of Jesus and it changed them. They found God that day. God made it abundantly clear in that moment. This message is for everyone. So far, this had been a Jewish thing. And now it was an everyone thing. Yale professor and author Lamine Sine says, the many tongues of Pentecost affirmed God's acceptance of all cultures within the scheme of salvation reinforcing the position that Jews and Gentiles were equal before God. Well, this was a big moment. Indeed, later, Peter, as you saw Eliot personify earlier, he referenced a foretelling by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on what? On all people, on every kind of people. And just like anyone who experiences something incredible or, or far out, they begin to tell other people about it, right? Just a natural thing. You see the great movie, you, you talk about it to people. You have this experience, you share it. When believers were filled with this spirit of understanding, they too became translators so that others could hear and find God. And this, you all, marks that start of the first church. This is how it began. The birth of the early church depended on this key idea of translatability, that the message of the gospel could be understood across generations and cultures. That windy, holy moment in Jerusalem was a strong message to the world. No one culture or generation speaks for God. No one culture or generation speaks for God. The gospel is continually incarnated. It comes alive again and again throughout history within each believing image bearer. This is undoubtedly true with the Generation Z you see sitting behind me. I asked our youth to do a project with me. I asked them to describe God in their own words. Let's listen now to these witnesses. My name is Isaiah and I'm 12 years old. God to me is an all-knowing being who knows when to challenge you and to push you through the hard times in life. My name is Nicole, I'm 18 years old and I would describe God as a constant being that you can always turn to when times are tough. My name is Tyler Metcalf, I am 17 years old, and God is someone who is always there for me. My name is Maya, and I am 11 years old, and I would describe God as someone who is there for you and can help you with your problems, and it's just as a reminder that you were born for a reason. My name is Samuel, I'm 12 years old, and I would describe God as kind, loving, and forgiving to everyone. Tamer, 13. God is a person that created a bunch of stuff and has a kid that did a bunch of stuff. My name is Morgan and I am 16 years old. I would describe God 
as all-knowing and all-creating and all-loving. Uh, hi, my name is Griffin Farnstein. I'm 14 year old, years old, and I would describe God as this sort of omniscient being that's always watching and caring for us. Hi, my name is Gabriel. I'm 11 years old, and I would say that God to me is kind of like a fatherly figure who is always watching over me whenever I feel sad or alone. My name is Ainsley. I am 13 years old. I would describe God as loving and someone that you could go to and pray to and is always there to listen to you for your troubles. My name is Elliot and I am 12 years old. I think that God is all expressions of love, no matter who they are and who they're expressed to. My name is Lula Mae Sally and I'm 16 years old. I think of God as someone who is always there with me wherever I go. I can't rely on him to get rid of all my struggles, but I can rely on him to always be there with me while I overcome them. My name is Katie. I am 19 years old and God is good for you. God is good for you. Katie, that just sums it up. <laughs> the same story, you all, is passing through this new generation, is it not? You were born for a reason. God is all loving. God is caring for us. Did you hear any other themes in their words as you listened? I noticed that almost everyone, and they did this all independently of each other, almost everyone used the word always. I kept hearing that. It kept coming up. A sense of the faithful, dependable, everlasting nature of God. And it's such a timely reminder for us today. Thank you guys for that. In the midst of so much uncertainty, tragedy, God does not leave us without the Spirit. It is there always. So we embrace this Pentecost energy today into our own specific time in history, June of 2022. And with this being Pride Month, I want you to listen how a millennial named Cole Arthur Riley is embodying the message of the gospel for our LGBT community. Aside from being a New York Times bestselling author, she's also created Black Liturgies. This is a space where black words of dignity, lament, rage, and rest are curated and integrated with a liberating spirituality. In one post, Cole powerfully translates the gospel message to our LGBT siblings by asking us to inhale, I am made of glory, and exhale, God is proud of me. I am made of glory. God is proud of me. In doing so, Cole reminds us all, really, especially those traumatized by those who speak for God, of their God-given dignity. And we believe this same spirit that moved on the day of Pentecost is still moving today in people like Cole. It connects us. Richard Rohr is an author and Franciscan priest. He explains... The spirit has two jobs. First, she creates diversity as exemplified by the metaphor of wind. 
just breathing out ever new life in endlessly diverse forms. But then the spirit has another job, that of the great connector, the great connector of all of these very diverse things, right? Unifies us all. I want you to look for just a moment at the front of your bulletin. This is an original creation this morning by our senior Nicole Farnsley. I love how she captured this idea of the spirit, of the wind. And do you see that idea of the great connector in there? The common denominator throughout the generations and cultures? The constant, the always, the always. I also want to mention our Elizabeth Hawkins also created an original piece on the communion table here that symbolizes the fire. You'll see that in a moment, the fire of the Spirit as well. So you all, may we have courage this morning to use our voice to uniquely translate this message of the Spirit in our time and in our place in history. Amen.